Well, good morning, Springbrook. It's good to see you. Hey, how you like our sign out there, huh? Yeah, praise God. We have a picture of the sign, or uh, did I put that in there? But all that to say is that, uh, yeah, we had it erected on Tuesday, and the power came in and things of that nature. And uh, Roland Deutsch, stand up, buddy. Stand up for a second here. Roland, turn around. Let me see your beautiful face. <laughs> now, Roland is a sign installer, and uh, we were having some issues this past week, and I was out there on my cell phone talking with the installer, the uh, sign company, and up comes Roland Deutsch on his motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, the perfect guy I needed to understand what they were talking about. And uh, Roland helped us install the sign, so let's thank Roland now. But it's going to be a, just a wonderful way that we can reach people who have a need for Jesus. <laughs> reach people who are hurting. 18,000 cars go by a day. And I would encourage you, every time you go by that sign, just to say a prayer for maybe somebody who, don't, who you know doesn't know the Lord. Or uh, just for whatever, just for people from, from our community, that if they have needs, we would love to have them as a part of our family. People Magazine, here you see a picture of it. Uh, Middleton, two under two. Isn't that amazing, ladies? I mean, don't you just sit back shocked? How could, what is she doing? She's like on a pace for like 25 kids. Two under two. What's the big deal about Kate Middleton? Why does she get her face on the cover of people, and your face is on the cover of people because of all the kids that you've had, right? Is that 202? That's nothing. Well, that is something, excuse me. But at the same time, why did she get to be on there? Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> the culture, uh, the culture critic uh, Neil Gabor said that people has become a reflection of what we're really interested in life. It started back in the 1970s. Uh, people were inspired by Time Magazine. They had a series on celebrity milestones. And what the people, or what the uh, people did at People, is that they, they decided they were going to make a celebrity magazine. They knew the uncanny principle that ordinary people were fascinated by extraordinary ones. So it started out on March 4th, 1974, and the magazine had a circulation of 1.25 million. Now, they, they have rules uh, for the cover, who goes on the cover. Young is better than old. Pretty is better than ugly. Rich is better than poor. TV is better than music. Music is better than movies. Movies are better than sports. Anything is better than politics. And nothing is better than a celebrity who has just died. <laughs> that actually is the rules they use to determine who goes on the cover. Because they know what the vast majority of people are interested in. They're not interested in the common person. They're interested in people who are well-known, 
people who are popular and who are celebrities. But just that illustration speaks of what we're going to talk about today, and that is showing favoritism to people. We all naturally show favoritism because we're sinful. It's built into us, and therefore we will honor one person over another person and uh, give respect to this person, not to this person. And again, what James is going to tell us is that is wrong. In fact, as we've been moving through this series on James, uh, the question is, is your faith strong or is your faith real? Uh, so the first thing is, this question was, how do you respond to trials? Do you rejoice because they're going to mature you in Christ or do you come bitter about them? Then he says, how do you respond to temptation? Do you always give in or do you have victory through the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you respond to hearing God's word? Do you just hear it or do you actually do it? How do you treat other people? That's what we're going to talk about today. You treat everybody the same with no distinction, no partiality. And he's going to spell this out uh, for us. Uh, James 2.1, we'll start there. encourage you to open your Bibles uh, and uh, take some notes as we go along here. James 2.1, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, we see that James uses my brothers a lot in the book. When he really wants to get their attention, he says, my brothers, show no partiality. Show no partiality. Don't play favorites. Don't put people in different categories. Don't disrespect someone because you think they're not worth respect. That's, that's a real challenge, isn't it? But that's where we need to grow. That's how we need uh, to become. When it says partiality, it's uh, really respecter of person or partialities. The idea of uh, lifting up a face or, or elevating someone, that's what the word means. And, of course, that's what James says we should not do. Uh, when you think about favoritism, it happens in families. It happens, of course, at work. It happens in a church, right? It's very common. I mean, you think about you know people that we might prefer. We might prefer good-looking people uh, versus not-so-good-looking people. Uh, we prefer people with nice clothes instead of those with older clothes. We prefer people with expensive homes over those people with average homes. We prefer people with Androids uh, compared to those who have iPhones. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we want today to get one main idea, one biblical truth in your mind that you can put into action this week by the Holy Spirit. And that is, do not show favoritism, treat every one the same. You say, well, that's impossible. I could never do that. Well, you're right. You could never do that. But you see, when Jesus Christ came into your life, the Word of God, remember we talked about that? 
two weeks ago, the Word of God was imprinted on your hearts. I mean, the Word of God is actually in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to do anything that's worthwhile to God. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to do supernatural things if we'll allow Him to. So whenever you say, okay, I'm going to go up and show favoritism today. I'm going to really work hard at it. Well, the attitude is, God, work through me. Show me areas where I, sh- I play favorites, areas where uh, I'm very discriminating. That's what uh, it's speaking of. So, show no partiality. And, and then it goes on, it says, As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. That's very interesting. As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, the Lord of glory, uh, that's the word doxa. When Jesus speaks of himself as the glory of God, that's the word doxa. So, God's glory was on this earth when Jesus Christ was here. In the Old Testament, the kind of glory was over the, the tabernacle, right? And it moved people from place to place, and then it came into the holy of holies. So what James is saying is that if you have the Shekinah glory in your heart, which you do, because God lives within you, then you should not be partial in any way, because you are a reflection of Jesus Christ. So if you believe you are a Christ follower, then you should be like Jesus, then you should really ask the Spirit to help you to root out any uh, deep aspects of uh, partiality uh, that you have in your life. You know, you think about Jesus Christ, he was really impartial, right? I mean, who did he hang around? Did he hang around the Pharisees and Sadducees? No, he went to the people who were struggling in society. He went to the poor people. He went to the sick people. He went to the criminals. He went to the harlots. Those are the people we see stories about in relationship to Jesus. And when you think about that, you say, now how is that reflected in my life? How do I view people who have less uh, than I do? Well, the point is that you're supposed to view them as anybody else would, excuse me, as God would view them. Because God, you see, he looks at the soul. That's all he sees. He doesn't see all the externals that we judge people on, but he looks on our inner soul, whether we have a relationship with him or not. That's challenging to do, but again, it's so important. That we live like Jesus and uh, walk like him. On the tragic morning of September 11, 2001, of course, uh, we had the terrorist attack in New York. And Jim Simbola is a pastor there. And he, uh, he's pastor of uh, uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And they lost four of their members. And one was a police officer. So they had the funeral at his church. And Rudy Giuliani, the the mayor at that time, he came and spoke a few words. And Jim Cimbala uh, wrote these down in a book that he wrote. This is what Rudy Giuliani said at this funeral. You know, people, I've learned something through all this. Let me see if I can express it to you. 
when everybody was fleeing that building, and the cops and the firefighters and the EMS people were heading up into it, do you think any of them said, I wonder how many blacks are up there for us to save? I wonder what percentage of whites are up there? How many Jews are there? Let's see, are these people making $400,000 a year or $24,000 a year? No, when saving lives, they're all precious. And that's how we're supposed to live all the time. How would you want the cops to treat you if you were on the 75th floor that day? Would you want them to say, excuse me, but I've got to get the bosses out first? Not exactly. And he goes on to say, I confess I haven't always lived this way. But I'm convinced that God wants us to do it. He wants us to value every human life the way he does. I mean, he preached his sermon, right? Everybody is precious to God. Even the person at work that you can't stand. Right? I mean, they're just difficult to work with. They got attitudes, always complaining. That person you need to treat with respect. I'm not going to respect that person. You do that. No. You treat them with respect. Obviously, you should never gossip. And you should never gossip about anybody at work, with other people at work. Because that's not what a Christ follower should do. We don't know these people's stories. One of the main things, if they're unbelievers, we know they don't have Christ. And therefore, they could be into anything, right? Just like we would be if we didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or the neighbor next door who you can't stand. (laughs) Or somebody in your social group that you happen to run into quite a bit that you'd rather not talk to. You can start thinking about this stuff and say, wow, that's a difficult command. I thought that was just kind of like average stuff, you know, things that happened. Uh, everybody does that. It's not that big a deal. Well, later in this passage, which we won't be able to get to, James compares it to murder and adultery. You know, the biggies, right? Well, he says if you break one law, you've broken all of the law. His point is, of course, that we need Jesus Christ as our Savior, but that all the law is important that we pursue with the Holy Spirit in order to know God better. We look at uh, James 2.2. 2. For if man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, so he's, he goes right to the church and favoritism, Right? He's saying, if a man wearing a gold ring, well, back in that day, uh, they wore their wealth and their clothes and their jewelry, and if you really were wealthy, what you would do is you would put rings on every finger, but not the middle finger. I don't know what the deal with the middle finger is, but at the same time, <laughs> you have the thumb and all the other fingers, but not the middle finger, right? And then they'd have fine clothes, uh, very glittery and loud and uh, just uh, clothes that would, <laughs> hey, I'm here, okay? Yeah, so that, that's the way they came in, okay? And obviously both these people, we can assume, uh, were not believers in Jesus Christ. So they both come in, uh, the man wearing 
a gold ring, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Now, this speaks of a very, very poor man. He only has one outfit, and that's his robe that he wears all day, and he wears all night, and wears all day one, one piece of clothing that he has. And he probably doesn't wash it that much. And you can imagine, in fact, the word shabby means it stinks. Right? And so here, you ever been next to a person who has a distinct odor to them? All right? Is that the person you want to kind of get next to and start up a conversation with? <laughs> well, friends, as we look at God's Word and as we become more holy, as we depend upon Him, we need to think like God thinks, right? We shouldn't be judging people like the world does because we're born of God. Well, we go on to James 2, 3. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place. Now, back in that day, in synagogues, uh, there was uh, maybe two or three benches, but then everybody else stood. And some people sat on the floor, cross-legged, and that was a seating <laughs> situation. Now, they probably were giving him a bench. The Pharisees would want to sit right up front, okay, so everybody could notice them. So they, they probably put this guy right up front because who knows what the usher was thinking. You know, maybe this guy would give me box seats uh, to the Colosseum. I don't know. I, all kinds of motivations that go through your mind uh, when you're in that uh, mode. Then James nails our coffin. He says, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. It's a very serious sin that we commit. And again, yes, it is pervasive in our lives, but God, God wants us to just get tuned into this particular area, especially this week, just to, to think about your relationships, to think about how you interact with people, uh, what type of people you choose to interact with. And see if there's any patterns in your life of showing disrespect to a certain type of person. And again, James says, you need to stop showing favoritism. You think about us being welcomed into the kingdom of God. God doesn't play favorites. Of course he doesn't. That's the way we need to treat others. James 2.5. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, there we see it again, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love them? This is interesting, isn't it? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? What he's saying there is that before creation God chose who would be saved and their the majority were poor people and they're rich people as well but the majority were poor people and he made that choice in fact if you were to take the church around the world and again if you were able to somehow put them in different economic levels the majority of it would be poor I mean we 
course, are very blessed to live in this area. But the majority of Christ followers are poor. Let's bring up uh, the Nepal slide. Uh, As part of our disciple-driven initiative, uh, we decided that God was leading us to start uh, 100 churches in India. Well, that gift was matched. Uh, and then now we're, I think, uh, it's like two to 300 now that we're planting through the Timothy Initiative. And these are just small churches. So what happens is, is that we pay a certain amount of money and uh, we're able to train uh, bivocational church planners. So what they do is they work on a farm and then in their extra time, uh, they build a church. Uh, they invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're funding about three different groups of ten guys, uh, well, even more than that with a matching grant. And uh, they're learning. They go through a ten-week study program of, uh, of theology and uh, pastoral work. And then they start the church while they're in the training, and then they train somebody else to do the same thing. And it's unbelievable how many churches have been started, how many people have been reached. But as you know, we've heard about the Nepal earthquakes just 200 miles north of where our TTI people are. But many TTI uh, pastors and I think people in their congregation, I think it was like 26 people that lost their homes uh, in this earthquake. 8,000 dead and another 6,200 dead with the aftershock. Now, the Timothy Initiative is working with 300 families uh, so far who have been uh, impacted by this. And so we want to encourage you uh, to go to our Springbrook webpage uh, and uh, look for Pray for Nepal on the front page, on the left there if you go down. And that would give you an opportunity to give to Converge Worldwide, who are part of that particular association of churches, and they are sending the money to TTI to help the people who uh, are the pastors and other Christ followers over there who've lost everything. I encourage you to do that. Just go to our website and uh, make a donation. And, and, and that's, that's a real practical way of pay, helping people out who are poor, right? And we're reaching the poor in northern India. We're caring for them spiritually. So again, as a church, that's one thing we're doing that is showing compassion to poor people. We also have uh, given 25000 to the Hope House down in Lawndale and to help fix their uh, Christian Rehabilitation Center. Again, these are things we're doing. So we're to do things as a church, but we're also to do things, of course, as individuals. So, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes, we'll go back to verse 3, and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. So, the rich man gets the best seat. The poor man is asked, in the original language, it's like, you can sit by my footstool. So it's like under my feet. So 
There's a person sitting there with a chair or a bench and a footstool. Well, you can sit down by my footstool. So, like, that's the, the worst seat in the house. Now, what's the best seat in the house here at Springbrook? Well, obviously, the front row, right? The front row. Look at all these chairs. And because Roland helped me out in this way this past week, I said, Roland, this week you can sit in the front row. Yeah. And the more sinful sit back that way. <laughs> no, what's the best seat in the house? If you're a guest, it's near a, a door. <laughs> it's like, I'm going into this place, man, I have my escape strategy all down. I'm going to get out of here, right? <laughs> well, friends, you get the point? What he says is, verse 4, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? See about that simple illustration. Somebody comes into our church uh, that looks important, or maybe you know is important, and man, you're, you go right to them, and somebody else who's just more common, you know, don't pay attention to them. That's wrong. That's sin. That's favoritism. That's prejudice. That's something that we should not do. God's power, we can make that difference. Let's uh, <clears throat> well look at. Uh, you know, I was thinking about my son Brian. He's he's working now at a place called NIA, a residential home uh, for mentally ill kids, and he has a huge heart of compassion. Oh man, <laughs> just amazed. You know, so many times. He said, well, I'm at the emergency room, you know. Because a lot of these kids will hit you and they'll do all kinds of stuff, throw things at you. And, uh, uh, but I see the heart of Jesus in Brian when it comes to compassion. Because even though it's difficult and hard, he continues to do it. And he's hoping to get a master's in social work. And that would be awesome in a way that he can continue to minister. I mean, he was down down in Chicago with a friend, and they just reach out to homeless people. That's a, that's a heart of compassion. Now, not all of us have that strong a heart, but we have the responsibility to be more compassionate toward those around us or those below us, one might say. In fact, that's what I would encourage you to do this week. If you're thinking about compassion, and uh, you're thinking about if you're playing favorites, but I'd say every day this week, do something for someone that you normally wouldn't do for them, whether it be at the office or at home or wherever. But lo- be looking for the people that don't get any attention. Be looking for the people when they walk into a church, uh, they might might not be the first piece person that everybody rushes to, a person that uh, just is not favored by our society. And that's why Christianity was so powerful in the early years, because they took care of all the infants. In Rome, you know, if you didn't want a, a girl, uh, you could just let her die. So they would pick up all of these infants and care for them. Christianity has always been known, when it's done in the truest sense, as compassion and reaching out to the poor. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, who was a rich tax collector and 
He was hated because he represented Rome and he was collecting taxes and always taking a little more than he really had to have because Rome said, yeah, take what you want. So, I mean, he was really hated (laughs) in the community. And, of course, Jesus walks by. He's up in the tree. I'm going to have dinner or lunch or whatever with you. (laughs) So they go and sit down, and he becomes a Christ follower. And what's the first thing that he does? He gives half of all that he has to the poor. Now, why in the world would he do that? That's not the old Zacchaeus that we knew. He was taking money from the poor. But when Christ came into his life, when the word of God was written on his heart, he just said, this is natural. This is something I want to do. I want to bless people that have less than me, and I want to make up for my wrongs, make amends for all the money that I've taken from people. When God is working in your life. Uh, you'll see that type of thing happen. Uh, Renee Brown uh, did a TED Talk, and it was on the power of vulnerability. And this is what she said. She's a sociologist. Uh, we are those people. I think we have it up on the screen. Yeah, We are those people. The truth is, we are the others. Most of us are one paycheck, one divorce, one drug-addicted kid, one mental health diagnosis, one serious illness, one sexual assault, one drinking binge, go on, one night of unprotected sex, or one affair away from being those people. The ones we don't trust, the ones we pity, the ones we don't let our children play with, the one bad things happen to, the ones we don't want living next door. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, we're all broken people, right? I hope you figured that out in your life. <laughs> that you're a broken person. Sometimes it takes some type of event or a series of events to break people and realize that they're just like everybody else. We're all broken. We're all vulnerable to problems in this life and, and acting in sinful ways and cause a lot of pain. But again, we continue to try to stratify people. Oh, those are those people, you know. I'm so sorry for them. That type of thing. Those are those people until you become one of them and said, what am I doing? (laughs) What's happening to me? Friends, we're all broken. And that's why we encourage everyone to to become, become a child of God. To come into the kingdom. Because you're special because you are a child of God. No other reason is because God values you. Verse 6, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are you not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? So here he really turns it on them. Okay, so a rich guy comes in, you get the best seat. The poor guy you put in the back. But in reality, it's the rich who oppress the poor in that day and have throughout uh, world history. Uh, they They would try to make their lives difficult in any way that they could just because they were selfish and sinful. All right? And here you're giving 
more respect to the poor people, or excuse me, to the rich people who are making your life difficult. They're dragging you into court. That does not make any sense whatsoever. And many times the way that we treat people doesn't make any sense either. Because we've got that natural sinful nature and it just kind of gravitates toward people who are more important, whatever, when we really should be reaching out to the people that most people don't reach out to and love them and encourage them. James 2, 7. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Now, when a person became a Christian back in that day, uh, during their baptism, they were given the name Christian. They became part of their name. It means little Christ, like Christ. And so that's what they were called. And they used it to uh, abuse them and make fun of the little Christians and that kind of thing. But again, these rich people, they're the ones who are blaspheming the name of God. And you give them preferential treatment? That doesn't make much sense at all. Uh, let's look at uh, James 2.8. It says, it might not be up on the screen, but it's in your notes. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So now he's going on, talking about the royal law, right? The great commandment, love the God with all your heart and soul and mind, and uh, your neighbor as yourself. It kind of sums up all the Ten Commandments. If you love God... And if you love people through the power of God, you're covering all the Ten Commandments. Because the first five are about God and the second five are about how you treat other people. But it's summed up. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. You're excelling, that word means. But the question is, who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Remember the story, of course, the Good Samaritan? And the guy comes up, a wealthy guy, and he asks, who is my neighbor? Now, he wasn't asking so that he could minister to more people and give more money away. He wanted a nice little group of people. Who am I really responsible for here, Jesus? And what Jesus does is that he turns his world upside down because he talks about a guy who was beaten up on the road and Three very religious people, two very religious people came by and they passed him. And then one guy came by who really showed compassion, who really helped this person who was beaten. They, they uh, helped him and got him on his donkey or whatever and took him down and paid for his care and said he'd come back and pay for the rest. But it was a Samaritan. And the Jews hated Samaritans. They're kind of like half-breeds uh, in their minds. There's deep hatred for that. And that's why the guy walked away. Now, I can't do that. And we get to the issue, of course, racism. Another sign of favoritism. We've seen the conflicts around the country taking place. And we've really got to think deeply about how do we view different races how do we categorize different races? Because there should be no difference. There shouldn't be, be no racial slurs 
in your language. There should be no prejudicial statements coming out of your mouth if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now again, we all sin. So what do we do? We confess the sin and say, Lord, you know, I've, I've had this pattern in my life of being uh, racist in some way, uh, prejudicial. Uh, please help me to overcome this. And, that, and then what you need to do again is go find a person in that race, one might say, and minister to them or do something for them. Do something you never do, maybe, depending upon what type of background uh, you have. That is the power of the gospel. In James 2.9, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. There we see it one more time. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by law as transgressors. Continuing to sin is the idea of transgressing, missing the mark. So, I want you to think for a moment about this. You know, we're, we're all guilty in this area, of course. Uh, and and my, my desire for you is that you would go home this week and study this passage maybe like every day. Just reflect upon it. And then determine one thing you're going to do for either a person you can't stand at work or for a neighbor that you're not fond of, or somebody of a different race that you have racial feelings about. And also that if you are telling racial jokes, or if you are saying racial slurs, well, that's just got to stop. That is, well, you know, everybody, no, 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 no. That's part of the expectation. You are a Christ follower. You were to show the love of Jesus Christ. And you've got to just step away from that. If you're at work or other places and, and they're talking like that, just step away from that conversation. And people will wonder, right? And they might look down on you. But you're showing the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is not easy. <laughs> Nothing in the Christian life is easy. Unless we submit ourselves to the power of the Spirit. And let, really just say, Spirit, fill me today and help me not to play favorites. I want to be impartial like God is. Well, let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, I want to thank you uh, for this passage. It's a hard-hitting passage, Lord. James doesn't, you know, <laughs> pull any bunches. He just keeps coming after us. <laughs> and, and with an area that we think, well, what? I play a little bit of favorites. What's the big deal? What's the big deal to you? And uh, I pray that you would be with each of us as we go throughout this week and that we would take action to help people uh, who we, we don't uh, uh, partial, we are partial towards, we don't respect, whatever it might be, and just really experience a, a process this week where this really becomes alive in our hearts and the Holy Spirit really starts speaking to us. Help us to have open hearts. In Christ's name, amen.